for tuning in to the 542nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether you have Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Air Radio, SoundCloud, Pandora, or whichever podcast, the upper platform you may be listening to me via. Going to have a great podcast for all you guys today. Going to have Nathan Swafer on uh, for Kansas 247, and we are going to talk and preview everything March Madness and basketball. Now, before we get to that conversation with Nathan, I'm going to get my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, et cetera, et cetera. Also, check on the description below, specifically use Spotify, everything timestamped. You can click on the timestamp, and we'll send you to whichever part of the podcast you'd most like to listen to, folks. It is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter. At Nitrogen underscore Lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane, you'll find it. I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly, give Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. For some odd reason, right? For like the pod, then fret not, we're not, folks, but just don't say anything. Because, you know, tomorrow told you, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Barbershop Sports Talk, we have a very special guest with us, Nathan Swaffer. He covers the Kansas Jayhawks for Kansas 247. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. So, would it be an understatement for me to say this is about your favorite time of year in sports? Oh, it's always pretty close. I mean, it's an entire month of good college basketball, Cinderella's, teams getting upset, everybody's either playing really good or really bad. It's just, it's always so much fun to see everything that happens in March. Yeah, especially, I think, for, and this is something that I think, too, that makes this uh, month special. This is something that the casual sports fan can really get into, uh, which I think is, you know, very interesting, right? Especially that first and second round, which we're going to see this weekend. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who don't care about college basketball, haven't watched a ripple of it, but they're going to be tuned in. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So quickly, what's your favorite Cinderella run ever? Um, from past years, or do you know, I think might happen this year? Past years, past years. Oh, past years. Well, St. Peter's last year kind of has a special place in my heart because I was actually covering that tournament. Um, I specifically remember when I was covering KU when they were in Chicago. Um, Throughout their Sweet 16 game with Providence, um, they keep cutting in um, during timeouts to give updates when St. Peter's was playing Purdue. And just every time that they made a big play or they went up, the entire United Center went absolutely insane. So that that one has a pretty special place in my heart because that was that one was just so so much fun to watch. Um, yeah, that's, that probably tops 
some of the others that I specifically remember. I really remember DCU back in 2011. Yeah, they made a Final Four with Shaka Smart. Yep, and they beat KU in the Elite Eight, which, you know, I'm not alone for BCU to get to the Elite Eight, but then beat that KU team, which was unbelievably good. You know, they had the Morris Twins. They had just an absolutely stacked lineup. And they were probably the favorites to win the national championship that year, and they they got bounced by Shaka Smart, and that one sticks in my head, too, as much as I don't like that BCU team. you got to give them credit for what they did. So a few I got for you is uh, Loyola Chicago uh, with uh, everybody's favorite grandma. Yep, it's Eugene. She's, <laughs> yeah. she's still trying to produce a little magic, although they didn't do very well. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, she, yeah, she's the team chaplain, I believe, too, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, and you also have those runs Butler made in 2010 and 2011 with Brad Stevens. Everybody remembers the missed shot in the national championship. Yeah, versus Duke. And then the next year, they lose to a pretty good UConn team with Kimball Walker. Uh, so I'll start with this. Uh, who do you have winning this tournament? Let, let's start with that. Who do you have? Well, you know, that's that's a difficult question because I don't really see a, you know, bona fide favorite in this tournament. I think there, there are a lot, of, a lot of teams that are close. I mean, obviously, the team that earns them well in overall seed should be the favorite automatically. So, we're looking at Bama there um, as, you know, they, they could go far. They really could. They, they're loaded. Um, as long as Brandon Miller continues to stay out of trouble, um, that team has a, has a pretty good chance. Um, you know, looking at some of the other seeds, um, it, it's kind of hard to not look at Texas and see what they've been doing. You know, they breeze through the Big 12 tournament without Timmy Allen. Dominated a KU team, despite you know they didn't have Bill Self or Kevin McCord, but nonetheless they, they beat them pretty good. Um, and that team just has so much depth, which is the thing that could take them pretty far. Um, and Rodney Terry has done an unbelievable job um, taking over Chris Beard. That Texas team is somebody to watch, and you know even looking at some of the three seeds, you know K State. I think, has that ability to make that run. Um, you can never overlook Gonzaga. Um, and then, you know, looking at some of the other smaller sides, I kind of like what Creighton's doing right now. I think, you know, they had a lot of pressure on them at the beginning of the season. Um, but they've really come into their own lately. And I think they could be a threat. But, you know, if I had to pick one team right now to win it all, I think I'd probably have to go with, this is always just so tough because I really don't see a team that really, really sticks out above the rest because everybody except really Houston has been very inconsistent this season, but I'm also not so confident in Houston, to be honest. I don't think they're really battle-tested for most of this right now. So... 
I think I'll probably go safe pick and probably say Bama goes all the way. Yeah, I've had a few brackets where I picked Alabama. They probably have the best player in college basketball, at least the most talented player in college basketball, and Brandon Miller. Uh, and really, their team has been number one like in the later weeks of the season, really for the whole year. So, I mean, they are the on-paper favorite. So, what do you think? Do you think there was an argument for Kansas to get the one seed, the oh, number one overall seed over Alabama? Um, with the number one overall. By the time we got past the SEC championship game, I don't think there was. Um, I think Bama had a really strong showing in the SEC championship, and they've been just a bit more consistent in KU, so they played really well down the stretch. So I, I think Alabama deserved that number one overall seed. Now, when you look at the argument between Houston and KU, that's kind of where everything gets a bit iffy and pretty inconsistent, you know, heading into Selection Sunday, even with KU's last Big 12 championship, there was still pretty high confidence among a lot of people that KU would get the number two, number two overall seed, um, the second number one seed, and they would really kind of have home field advantage if they were making Sweet 16 of the Elite Eight in Kansas City. And that got amplified when Houston got pretty bad by Memphis in the AAC championship. And, you know, what happens, happens. Houston gets picked. Um, the tournament committee kind of comes up with a pretty lame explanation that, well, Houston was closer in their losses, and they had more combined quad one quad two wins, which you just kind of look at that, and you kind of just scratch your head. Um for, you know, for years now since the net has come out, the committee has, you know, preached play a harder schedule, you know, you'll get a lot more leeway, you know, those quad one wins. I mean, the Big 12 was extremely tough this year, too. Let's not forget that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the explanation that they give with Houston being closer in their losses, and, I mean, it, it just kind of, we kind of threw the importance of a really strong schedule and your quad one wins completely out the window in this argument. Don't get me wrong. Houston and KU were right there at overall two and three. Absolutely no doubt about that. But to look at the resumes of the two and definitively say that Houston's was better is just absolutely wrong. And that comes from a guy who's watched both these teams very closely as this season's gone along. I mean, the committee has essentially discredited KU, and, you know, then they said, well, Sasser didn't play in the AAC championship. Well, KU didn't have their Hall of Fame head coach and their probably second-best player, Kevin McCuller, in their conference championship, and they essentially ignored that. So it's, it, it's a really weird situation that I, I don't really know what the committee was thinking with this um and i i I thought they got that pretty wrong in my opinion so let's start with this let's start with kansas so with them being the third overall number one seed what do you think kansas path to a final four is very difficult um i i don't think you can argue that 
KU's region in the West is by far the most difficult region. I mean, you look at essentially top to bottom how good these teams are. I mean, they get UCLA as as their number two, Gonzaga as a really strong number three, UConn as their four, St. Mary's at five is kind of in. But then you just you keep going down the line, TCU, Northwestern, Arkansas, Illinois, Boise State, you've got I, I had a really good Arizona State team or Nevada. What happens with that first four game? Even I owe them ECU. I mean, that that bracket, that region is just absolutely top to bottom stacked. And KU is going to have a hard time just getting to the Sweet 16 because, I mean, it's, let's just assume they beat Howard. Obviously, nothing's ever out of the question. But assuming they beat Howard, then they've either got to go up against the Illinois team that is incredibly underrated as a nine seed, or Arkansas, which has the talent of a top ten team, and KU matches up horribly with Arkansas in almost every sense. Arkansas is bigger, faster, more physical. So either one of those would be very difficult. Then they'd probably be going up against an incredibly underrated UConn team in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, which UConn has been great all year, and then if they were to even get to the Elite Eight, you're probably either facing a very underrated Gonzaga team, you could be facing TCU, which we've seen them absolutely demolish KU this year, or you're facing UCLA in what pretty much would be a home court advantage for them in Vegas. So just to get out of that region would be absolutely insanely difficult. For KU, and especially just looking at, you know, there's still the question of will Bill self coach? You know, are they fully healthy with Kevin McCole and Brady Dick apparently got hurt um, at the end of the Big 12 tournament? There are all these questions surrounding KU. Now, if they get through this, my goodness, I mean, that that's an incredibly difficult task for them. Do I think it's possible? Absolutely. Do I think it's likely? Mm, probably not. I mean, I think when that bracket first came out, and I think to, even today, KU, according to Ken Palm, has the fifth best chance to get out of that bracket. The number three overall seed, who had one of the most impressive resumes coming into the year, is the fifth favored team in their region to make the Final Four. That just shows how talented this region is and how difficult of a path just to get to the Final Four, it will be for KU. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. It's it's looking really tough. Do you think Bill Self will coach? Because that's going to be a big factor. I mean, I don't think... If Bill Self's not there, they're probably not going to do this region. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been kind of... We've been getting some mixed messages. You know, we keep thinking that Bill's going to talk to the media, and then we keep getting more Roberts. Um, they haven't really given us a straight answer. Um you know, today Jalen Wilson came out and said he's confident um, Bill will coach on Thursday and through the rest of the tournament. But I, I think he probably will. I'd be pretty shocked to not see him on the sideline um, at least past tomorrow. Do I think it's possible he doesn't coach tomorrow? Yeah, but I think he probably will. So who do you think has the best chance of coming out of this region in the West? Oh, 
because everybody's going to beat each other up. I'm kind of looking at this region kind of like the Big 12 because everybody really could make it out of this region because they're all just that talented. Um, but I, I think right now you got to look at UCLA. And they're, they're playing well. Obviously, they lost in the Pac-12 championship. But that team has so much talent that it, it's very possible they could go all the way and possibly win a national championship because of that talent. And they got a pretty favorable bracket draw when it comes to if they make it past the first two rounds, they get to go to Vegas, which, you know, if you know anything about geography, Los Angeles is way closer to Vegas than Lawrence, Kansas is to Vegas. Very so much so. They're going to they're, they're gonna have a pretty good crowd there. Um, so I, I really like UCLA out of this region, but I, I, I think this could be the year that Gonzaga maybe gets over the hump and gets back to the Final Four. I'm not sure they can win a national championship, but they have the experience. I mean, frankly, as long as they have Drew Timmy on that team, they've got a pretty pretty damn good chance. And I kind of like TCU out of this region. I really do. I've, I've watched TCU all year, and even though they don't have Eddie Lampkin anymore, you know, you've got guys like Mike Miles, Damian Ball, I mean, all these guys are just so incredibly talented. They're unbelievably good. And TCU, in my opinion, has not really lived up to their potential much this year. I mean, the one game that I think everybody goes to is when they just curb-stomped KU in the on-field house. That TCU team can win a national championship. Whether they play up to that mark or not, it's tough to see. As I look at this region, Nathan... I, this region has like five or six Final Four caliber teams. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I look at KU can make the Final Four, UCLA can make the Final Four, Gonzaga can make the Final Four, UConn maybe, TCU. But if you want to look at a lower seed in this in this region that could make the Final Four, I don't think you look farther than Arkansas. I really don't because. It's just that team has so much talent. They're really well coached. And we, we've seen them have a lot of success in the tournament over the past few years. And, and I really think, when, when, I'll, I'll be honest, when I saw that Arkansas got an eight seed, I was kind of like, how? Because they're just so much more talented than that. So this, this is really the region of death. Um, anybody could come out of here. So let's go to the Midwest region where Houston's the one. Uh, Houston's going to be the number two overall one seed. How do you like Houston's chances of getting out of this region? It, it's difficult to say because Houston, like KU, will have a very difficult second-round matchup with either Iowa or Auburn. Um, I'm good friends with one of the Auburn beat writers and he's told me that, you know, this team could easily go far. And I've seen that watching them. I mean, I saw them beat some unbelievably good teams throughout the season. So Auburn's really talented. And we've seen the same thing with Iowa. When they're on, they're difficult to beat. So Houston will have a very difficult second-round matchup. And then I predict that they'll probably end up facing up with Indiana in the Sweet 16, barring they both make it that far. And Indiana, when they're playing well, they are difficult 
to be when Trace Jackson Davis is on the top of his game, he's one of the most unguardable players in the nation, and he's one of the best defensive players in the nation. And that that would be an incredibly difficult matchup for them. And who knows who they might face if they get to the lead eight. I mean, obviously, you got to look at Texas, who I talked about earlier, is one of the most beat teams in the tournament. They're incredibly talented. If Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter, Timmy Allen, um, sixth man of the year, Serge Barry Rice, if all those guys are playing well, Harris is in the country. So Houston has a very difficult path to make it out of this region. Can they? I think they absolutely can. They're well coached. They've got some really good talent as well. But part of my concern is that I don't really think they're battle-tested because they've had such a, you know, in my opinion, kind of a cakewalk schedule throughout the year. I mean, obviously they've had some good matchups with Memphis. Um, but when, essentially, at least during your conference season, when Memphis is consistently the best team you're playing, you're not going up against a Texas, an Xavier, an Iowa, an Auburn. You're not going up against those teams who are consistently facing those, you know, top twenty-five teams every night. And I—that's kind of where I get a bit concerned about them. Is that do they have that experience that if they get down, can they come back? How do you like Texas's chances to make a Final Four? I've gone back and forth with this for a while because Texas is such a good team. They just always let you down, and, don't they? Yeah, they do. I mean, they really <laughs> do. You know, I kind of look at the teams that almost always consistently let you down in the tournament. Texas, Tennessee, Baylor, I mean... All those teams that are consistently right there. Now, Baylor kind of scrapped it. But, you know, then last year they lost North Carolina. So, you know, the teams always tend to disappoint you. But I won't lie. Something feels a bit different about this Texas team. It really feels like they're clicking right now. And they ended the season so well. Um, You know, they beat KU twice in two weeks. They... I mean, they didn't breeze through the Big 12 tournament, but they, they were pretty comfortable for the most part. And, you know, in the Big 12 tournament, they didn't even have Timmy Allen. So, I mean, that, that they're just so talented. Um, and I think the key to them is probably, you know, obviously you look at Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter, who are probably the two most talented players on that team. But I think this team goes as far as Serge Barry Rice can take them. Um, he's just been so incredibly good off the bench this year. He'll probably be the national sixth man of the year. Obviously, he got the Big 12 one. But he was so unbelievably good in the Big 12 tournament, even Dylan DeSue as well. I mean, this Texas team is so talented. They're so experienced. And they, I think they could make a run at it. It just it kind of depends on... Gonna see the same old, same old tournament, Texas, or are they really gonna lock in this year? Texas gives me the vibes of a team that's just gonna lose to AM in the second round. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can usually get that. They'll, they'll have an incredibly difficult second round matchup if they make it past Colgate. I mean, they're either getting Texas AM, who should be way higher than a seven seed, 
for a Penn State team that looked incredibly good in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, and that's going to be the test for Texas. And then I, I think that second round game will show a lot about how dangerous Texas is going to be in this tournament. I, I tend to agree that that will probably be the telltale of whether they're going to they're going to struggle or whether they they might go all the way. So, who's your favorite to come out of this region? You know, I'm probably going to take the safe bet and say Texas. I think Texas is primed for a deep run. I think they match up well with a lot of teams in this region. They've got depth, and I, I think they will probably get there. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break and then cut up next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to get into our other two regions. Yeah, next never break on Barbershop Sports, Sports Talk. Talk. Especially this summer, with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fool your fandom and feel the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers risk-free bets up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. I know, great deal, folks. You can throw down in all the major action of baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Again, that's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports. I want to have Nathan with us. So now I want to get into the South region, home to the number one overall seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Obviously, this is your favorite uh, in the tournament. This is my favorite, too. Who gives Alabama the toughest competition? I'm looking at a three-seed Baylor right here uh, who won the national championship a few years ago. They're in a very tough Big 12, as you know very well, Nathan. Also, Arizona is looming as well at the two-seed. And then Virginia, uh, who's won a national championship, too, has some pedigree there. They always play with Tony Bennett. Great defense, slows the pace down in all these games. Which one of these teams, or maybe there's another team you're thinking of, can knock off the Alabama Crimson Tide? Well, you know, Alabama, I think if they can get past, if they can get to the Sweet 16, things will get a little easier for them. But I look at a potential second-round matchup with West Virginia that could be big trouble for them because watching West Virginia throughout the year, I'm not sure that there's a team that can play harder. Them. Bob Huggins has that team, you know, they have them motivated, and that they really can beat anybody on any given night as long as they play well. I mean, you look at Eric Stevenson, who is probably one of the best players in the Big 12 and can go off for 30 pretty easily. Um, that'd be a really tough matchup for them, and one that I think they could easily lose. But I look at a team in Creighton right now that I think they're a very, very dangerous succeed. 
you know, I, I first realized that when they matched up with KU last year in the round of 32 and how hard they played, how well they played, despite what feels like half their team being injured at the time. Obviously, they had some struggles at the beginning of the year, and they really struggled to get going. They had a lot of pressure on them, and they've really started to work into their own over the past few months, and I I like them. I really do. Maybe not to come out of the region, because I still think that belongs to them. But I think Creighton can beat a lot of teams in this region. You know, I'd usually be pretty confident in Baylor, but I also saw how poorly they played down the stretch. They're not playing well right now. Do they have the talent? Absolutely. But I've not been impressed with them down the stretch. And Arizona, Arizona's probably, you know, the biggest threat to Alabama. I mean, they're, they're an incredibly good team. They're talented. They ended the season really well, beating UCLA in the Pac-12 championship. Um, this is a region where we could probably see a few different teams start to come out of it. Um, I think you could even look at a team possibly in Missouri who could go far. I mean, they can score with the best of them. They've had their struggles this season, but Dennis Gates has done an incredible job in his first year with that team. Um, if they could play just a little bit of defense, they could beat some good teams. Absolutely no doubt about that. Um, but I think Arizona probably gives Bama their biggest threat. But I also would not overlook Creighton. It sounds like the way you're talking about Baylor, you think they were a little bit overseeded at three. Um, if you look at their whole season of work, probably not. I mean, there was a point where Baylor... You could probably argue they could have been a two or even a one seed, but they didn't play well down the stretch. Um, you know, Keontae George dealt with that ankle injury, and they just haven't looked right near the end of the season. And, you know, maybe Scott Drew can get that team firing again. But right now, I'm not too confident. And Alabama, what type of story would it be for Alabama if they won the national championship? What do you think the narrative around that would be, obviously, with the whole Brandon Miller situation? I don't even know what you say at that rate. Um, it's just, it's so, it's such an awkward situation. And I think it's been really mishandled by Alabama. And it, it, it would certainly be unusual. I, I really can't remember a team having this much controversy going that far in a tournament. But all credit to that team. They've not been distracted by it. They've, they've kept the ship steady. They've continued to play well and they continue to look like the best team in the country. So credit to them on that front, but it would be it'd be interesting to see what that would be remembered like. If they were to win it. The closest thing I can ever remember something like this is I remember in the NBA uh, early 2000s when Kobe Bryant was going through his rape case 
and he would be like flying to different playoff games and he'd just like drop 45 against the San Antonio Spurs at the conference finals and he'd be in court the next day. But that's a little different from this. Obviously, he's not somebody that's being alleged that he necessarily did something, but just kind of that whole thing where he has this kind of looming over his head and then he has to play basketball. So let's go to the next region where we have Purdue. Lowest one seed here. Chances Purdue makes the final four. Low. Very, very low. I won't lie. Purdue, in my opinion, is a team that is as vulnerable as any really high seed. Yeah, and... Obviously, Zach Eady is the no-brainer player of the year. He's been absolutely unbelievable. But the problem is, is that if you face a team where they just say, all right, we're going to let Zach Eady do what he wants, and we're going to defend we're gonna defend the win. If a team does that and scores 70 points, Zach Eady can't score 70 points on its own. Zach Eady probably can't even get just 50. He can maybe get to 40. But... If a team goes in with that approach, I think Purdue's incredibly vulnerable. Um, and then you look at the rest of the region. I personally think Purdue is going to get fast in the second round by Memphis. Memphis should not be an eight seed. They are so much better than an eight. And then you look at the rest of, the, of their region. Obviously, a really strong Marquette team as a two, who I think this is Shaka Smart's best team he's ever had through his coaching career. Um, even you know, I, I really like K-State in this region as well I think they can struggle because they rely so much on Matisse Well and Keontae Johnson but if those two guys are playing they're as good of a combo as anybody in the country Kentucky has played fairly well down the stretch Tennessee has been good and as much as I don't want to admit this Duke is really starting to live up to the hype they had at the beginning of the season, despite John Shire. You know, that coming into the season, that team just had too much talent not to be good. I don't think John Shire is that great of a coach, but when you've got that much talent, it's hard not to have a good team, and they are clicking on all cylinders right now. I, I'm going to be honest, I like Duke to come out of this region. Really? So John Shire is going to make a Final Four in his first year as head coach? John Shire, asterisk, <laughs> will make a Final Four in his first year, highlighted by his incredible plethora of talent on that team. So you're out on John Shire. I give him another year, but I can't say that he's done that incredibly well. I mean, like I said, if you gave this talented of a Duke team any coach in the nation, they can probably get them to the tournament at the very least. I mean, when you've got, I mean, seriously, they've got just so much talent. NBA prospect after NBA prospect. <laughs> five star oh, after five star. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't live up to the Duke team that had Zion, RJ Barrett, I believe it was Cam Reddish who was also on that team. It doesn't live up to that. But you just look at everybody that's on this team, you know, Kyle Fikowski, um I don't know why I can't think of Jeremy Roach. I mean, all of these guys. This team is primed to go far. 
And I think just with the talent that they have, they have a really good chance. So you're going to pick Duke to come out of this region. So Tennessee, chances Tennessee loses in the first round to Louisiana. I think they'll get past the first round. Um, I think they will. Now, this is where it gets difficult because uh, Tennessee is really, really good. They're big. They're athletic. They can beat a lot of good teams. But I look at that possible second round matchup with Duke, and I'm not sure they match up with it too well. Because Duke kind of plays the same way. They're big, they're long, they're athletic. And Duke is more talented than Tennessee. So, I will will make this prediction. If Duke and Tennessee win their first round matchups, the winner of that round of 32 matchup will make the final four out of this region. So who do you like coming out of the bottom side of this bracket? And so you have Kansas State and a very tough Big 12. Uh, Kentucky, you mentioned some coming on strong. Michigan State, USC, Marquette. Who do you like coming out of this bottom half of this region? I think it comes down to three teams. I think it comes down to Marquette, Kansas State, and Kentucky. We've seen Kentucky play well this season, absolutely. Obviously, they've dealt with a some injuries, they've dealt with some inconsistencies. But when you've got a guy like Oscar Sheepway to begin with, you're gonna you're gonna be good. So they could easily possibly make a run. You know, I mentioned K State earlier. I've seen how good they can be. They can be really damn good. And then Marquette. It's kind of the question of, well, are we gonna get the shock of smart that led a 10 seed VCU team to a Final Four. We're going to get Shaka Smart that wasted years out of unbelievable Texas teams in the tournament. I mean, I think with how well they've been playing, I think we're going to get VCU Shaka. And I, I really like Marquette in the bottom of this region. I think they and K State, if they meet in, let's see, that would be a Sweet 16 matchup between those two. That's going to be a damn good game. So, who are you on for big upset watch first round? Oh, goodness. There's an upset. Let me see. I got to go through. Um, Iowa State and Pittsburgh. I like Pitt to upstate, upset Iowa State in the sixth seed. Iowa State did not look good near the end of the season, and they've been pretty inconsistent. Um, I think St. Mary's could drop the VCU. Um, I like that VCU team. And then right below that, as good as UConn is, I mean, the Rick Pitino, I, I own a team. They've been good all year. I think we could see something there. And then, you know, I, I talked so good about Duke the other day, but Maybe could pull the upset against Arizona. 
I think it's at least possible. Baylor with UC Santa Barbara, I could easily see that happening. Um, but if I had to pick a, an upset, a big upset, I think, you know, I think I'd probably have to pick UC Santa Barbara over Baylor. And who's your biggest sleeper as a Cinderella to make it the Final Four? Um, you know, I mentioned Creighton earlier. I think Creighton could get there. Um, I kind of think maybe Texas A&M could do it. I mean, I think they've got some good matchups. I think if, I think if Texas A&M could get past Texas in a round of 32 matchup, I'd at least like them to get the lead eight. And then it's possible they could get to the Final Four. Um, but the team that I really look at is Arkansas. I really, I really like Arkansas. Um, as, as horrible as it would be to see Arkansas beat KU, I think it'll probably happen. Um, if it comes to fruition, if they beat Illinois, I think just with how talented that team is mixed with, you know, Eric Musselman's coaching, I, I really like Arkansas to possibly be that Cinderella and get all the way. Nathan, I'm thinking for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate talking ball. It'll be interesting if we do this in a few weeks again to see where we are. And once again, I don't think Nathan Swaffer for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I don't thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 542nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.